Hey folks, this is your girl Stephanie Victoria coming to you with another episode of A Dream Preferred. I know I say this on every episode, but really I'm trying to get my life together, so forgive me for being trifling and not being as consistent as necessary with my podcast. I am over here learning, growing, leaping, loving, and just trying to be a better human. So I make the same promise every week that I'm going to try and stop by at least once every two weeks and record the podcast, but fuck it. It's a pandemic. Holla at your girl. So today's episode is going to be um, about a couple of things. First of all, I want to get caught up in the news and what's going on out here in these COVID streets. It seems as if coronavirus came to bring the pain. It came to bring the noise, but above all, to bring justice to an unjust system. What am I talking about? I am talking about August Alsina, Jada Pinkett Smith, and the Will Smith, that's right. Coronavirus isn't just out here exposing corrupt cops, uh, corrupt governments, the very fragile social systems and even our economic system. It's also out here exposing whole institutions, right? The Smith family is a full on black love institution. There have been rumors of war (laughs) and, uh, you know, wars and rumors of war several years ago where people throughout the decades have said that the Smiths are going to get a divorce or they're living in separate sides of the house. But I think the biggest rumor has been that they have an open relationship. Now, me, myself, personally, I never gave a damn about whether or not they were getting a divorce, although I believe in their marriage. And I definitely never gave a damn about them having an open relationship, but I definitely believe that shit. So now that it is pretty much confirmed that they do have an open relationship, uh, a la Ruby D and um, Ossie Davis, may they rest in peace. It's also, you know, looking like those divorce rumors may have been true. Will made it very clear that he was done with Jada's ass, as he put it. But the bigger issue here out of all the scandal, no Livy Pope that came out was August Alsina. And I think from the beginning, the only person whose feelings and whose side of the story I was really concerned about was August Alsina. So for those who are unaware and have been living under a rock with Lolo, Texas, um, August Alsina came out with a song uh, called Corinne. And that is Jada Pinkett Smith's middle name. And August Alsina was insinuating that they had a long-term love affair and that he was in love with her and that they were supposed to be together and that she basically kicked him to the curb. Well, that was followed up by an interview with Angela Yee of The Breakfast Club where August Alsina pretty much said that not only did Will give him, give August his blessing to be with Jada, um, it was a known thing. Like he would be up at the house, he would be driving the cars. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith said that she met August be through her son, Jaden. Jaden and August are roughly the same age. I think Jaden is like 22, 23. August Alcina is now 27, but we get the impression that when he started his affair with Jada, he was about 23, 24. Um, more importantly, Jada's own words are that August Alcina became a part of their family, not just through Jaden's friendship, but that he was very sick. August Alcina has had a lot of heartache and heartbreak in his life. He had some uh, debilitating health issues that made him lose a significant amount of weight. He had lost his mother and his sister in a very short amount of time. He is now the guardian of his three nieces and nephews. Um, And then just life stuff, right? Just being a black man in America. And through all that, Jada Pinkett Smith said that she felt the need to help 
and to quote unquote fix August, um, that it was a very motherly, tender relationship that ultimately became a sexual relationship. It was something physical, you know, he was giving her something she could feel. And she liked that feeling by her own admission. She said that she was very broken through her and Will's breakup. She did say that it happened during a breakup, uh, that she and August got together and, you know, August helped her heal. You know what I mean? I could say a lot about that. I could say a lot about, you know, the way that the pain can help you feel and heal, but I'm going to, I'm going to save that for another day. But anyway, August Alsina, in the midst of all that, of course, he fell madly in love. She's an older woman. She's a beautiful woman. She's very powerful. She has a powerful family. She has a lot of influence. And I'm sure he's feeling like this is everything. We're going to be together forever. And unfortunately, once Jada was filled, was filled and healed, uh, her and Will reconciled. And August was seeing the writing on the wall and he broke off the relationship. August Alcina says that he still loves Jada Pinkett very much, that there is still love there. Jada said that there is still love there, but I'm thinking that she means more of a platonic friendship love. And in the midst of all of that, Will Smith is now the subject of many memes. In fact, he's probably gonna take over as the Jordan crying meme because it was evident in the Red Table Talk that Will was hurt. So the hype and the press and the pop and everything surrounding the August Alcina story resulted in Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. Jada says she had to take herself to the Red Table Talk. Red Table Talk being her Facebook uh, show, very popular show. I once was a huge fan. I had to stop after the Snoop Dogg when I felt that he really wasn't taking the task. I had to let it go. Love Jada, love the Smith family, but I had to let it go. So Jada took herself to the Red Table Talk. She admitted it, she put it all out on the table. Will Smith was there. And I think the biggest thing that came out of that conversation was that rather than just say, you know, me and August were in a relationship, she described their union as an entanglement. And as I'm sure you know now, everything has entanglement. There's shirts with entanglement on it. August Alcina had enough time to put out a song called Entanglement. Tell my son, we tangled up at these shades. And I give Will credit because he looked at her like, now Jada entanglement you was in a relationship a whole relationship and it was interesting to watch jada really struggle to put her her laundry on the table and you know to really bring herself to task and i can't be mad at her you know we all have our stuff but it was painful watching will smith's face like oh my god big willie loves that woman he loves the ground that she walks on i fully believe that jada loves the ground that he walks on i believe they care for each other a great deal but you know embarrassment is embarrassment and pain is pain you know you out here you're a whole superstar and your wife is out here getting her back blown out by a young hitter like that's that's gotta hurt and even if he knew what was going on all along for it now to be public knowledge and you're the biggest most successful superstar ever like Denzel is amazing but Will Smith is still young you know what I mean The Rock is amazing but Will still got it and so that that hurts and at the end of the day he loves Jada and we don't know what happened first if he cheated and then or he had you know Margot Robbie and whatever little girlfriend and then Jada was like all right I see you um and then got August we don't know who did what to whom nor is it my business however what I did think was interesting, if you go back to the first season of Red Table Talks, Jada Pinkett Smith 
discussed how she had issues with blonde haired white women that for her that was a trigger and it's interesting because some of the women that Will Smith has been linked to including Margot Robbie um are blonde haired white women and I wonder if he actively chose those women to get back at Jada love is a battlefield it's wild I'm over here trying to deal with my own situation work out my own soul salvation with fear and trembling and it always boils down to ego like who said who did and at the end of the day you're both just on the other you know just sitting at home lonely and you need to be together so Will Smith had was just in pain throughout the 30 minute interview um as a couple I wish them success a few things that came out of that interview that for me were a little bit um uh important number one they never said they never really talked about how I think that was unfair to August right I think that there was some deception in that relationship she definitely used him she used him to make herself feel better and didn't really concern herself with his feelings um i think august has every right in the world to be mad angry and to put out all the music he wants to it's his story to tell um i recognize that the smiths are an institution but when you have an open relationship either get an nda and call it a day but also you gotta be you know your brand is feelings every other day i look up and will smith is sending these inspirational videos on youtube and on ig live and jada pinkett smith is having her gurus come on and talk about how to be better people that can't be your brand and then you completely mow over someone's very young tender feelings i also remember very vividly Jada Pinkett Smith going on a whole campaign talking about how Hollywood eats their young when people began to come for her little cubs, her children, her son Jaden, when he did the spread with Vogue where he um, he was assigned as a in the female model division. Although I believe that he identifies as male, he uh, was modeling women's clothes. And for a lot of people that was controversial. And Will Smith stuck by his son and Jada Pinkett Smith did what Jada Pinkett Smith does and got very upset and said, basically, don't come for my child. And so it's very it's very interesting that she came for someone else's child, right? That you kind of see how class can, um, even though these are all black folks, that class with wealth, you know, this person was definitely invoking their power to have what they wanted when they wanted to make themselves feel good with someone who couldn't hold a candle to what they have again you know young fly powerful beautiful rich family comes along scoops you up brings you into the fold how are you not gonna fall in love how are you not gonna fall and, and become intoxicated with being the object of someone's desire and where i was somewhat disappointed with the smiths is that they use their power their platform and everything else to not necessarily heal August because that was the original jump off point for their relationship. They said that they brought him in to help him heal and give him some time to heal emotionally, spiritually, definitely physically. But you know, you took advantage of the situation and I don't see how that's any different from uh, uh, other forms of, of oppression that happen. Um, August Alcina, I'm sure Will is not happy with the situation, but I'm hoping that Jada realizes that she did take advantage of that young man and he even though he's an adult he's still a young man i think she's in her late 40s and uh, so they're at least about 20 years apart and the same way that she wanted to protect her babies willow Jaden, 
and Trey and say that Hollywood eats their young and that we can't keep um, tearing down young people in Hollywood. She was referring to the paparazzi and the uh, bloggers. She's tearing down this young man's soul. A young man who didn't have one 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 thousandth of what Jaden and Willow have. And so there's a lot of hypocrisy in that. They have a platform that's built on feelings. They completely obliterated August Alcina's feelings. They have a platform that's that's built on family. And I'm not saying that it has to be a traditional uh, family that you can't have an open relationship. I think it's rather progressive, frankly, especially for the lifestyle that they live. But in that, you know, there's rules to this and... August Alcina's feelings are the only feelings that I care about in this situation. If August wants to make a whole album and entitle it Corinne or Jada, I think he's entitled to that because he, what does he possibly have to match what, what they have? You know what I mean? Like what stones, what weapons has he been given to fight back for his honor, for his dignity and for his pride? So for what it's worth, I'm team August. I still love the Smiths. I still love their family. Definitely watching uh, Will's movies. Love Jaden. Definitely love Willow. I think she's my favorite. She and Gammy. Notice Gammy's been quiet throughout all this. She's like, look, I got my own life. Um, oh, and that's another thing. I thought it was really interesting that Jada had had August on her show. And they talked about how her family had helped him through addiction and some other things. And I was like, yo, do you know what a breakup will do to an addict? Like August said that Gammy really helped him kick his own addictions. And Gammy has talked a lot about her decades as um, a drug abuser. And Jada has talked about how her addiction has affected her. Um, and the way addiction works, it can make a person very selfish. All they can see is themselves and their addiction. And so even though Jada may not have been addicted to drugs... Uh, she did say that she thinks once upon a time she was a sex addict. I don't think that's the case here. Children of addicts can sometimes also mimic uh, narcissism. If you want to learn more about that, you can look up child of alcoholic syndrome. Um, people who have addicts for parents very often will mimic a lot of the behaviors that they saw growing up, which is extreme selfishness, um, one-sidedness. And maybe some of that even explains some of the issues that she and Will is having because Will has said that there, he felt that there was nothing he could do to make Jada happy. Like no matter what, she just was not pleased with him. And you could tell Will is the type of guy, he's an overachiever. He wants everything in his life to be a particular way. Jada is more of a free spirit. She's like, we out here in Baltimore all day, every day. Um, I think Willow is just like, I just play my music and mind my business. And I think Jaden is also living his best life. Who wants their family business on display? My God, my God. So love to the Smith family, but above all things, sending just huge love, light hugs and everything else to Mr. August Alcina, because I think it was very brave for him to come out and say what he had to say and do what he had to do. And I feel like milk it for as long and as hard as you can. Because at this point, all these people could really say to you is a hearty, I apologize and help your career go the long haul. Like to make good on all the promises that you were told in the beginning of this relationship. So that's that about that. Um, what else is going on? So Rona is out here still raging. There was a point in time where it looked like we were going to be free for the summer. 
and now we're going into the fall they are actually talking about having kids be in school this is wild cannot believe this um not only are they talking about having kids be in school I am seeing the the flip side of that argument is that for people with resources, they're beginning to set up educational pods and hire private teachers and private tutors. They, along with maybe a few of their neighbors, are getting in groups of four, five, and six and are pooling their resources together to have uh, teachers come to them and teach their kids. And on a certain level, I'm for it. I've always kind of seen that that vision years ago as an educator. I thought about having those particular services. But the problem is overwhelmingly black and brown children, overwhelmingly rural children, overwhelmingly low income kids are going to be put in positions where their schools are going to become Petri dishes for the spread. I can already foresee that for students who are in high school and middle school, this is gonna become difficult because they are at a critical age where the push out rate gets higher. I can already see that if people had to choose between their health and their education, they're of course gonna choose their health. Um, so many social services are tied to the school uh, industrial com- educational industrial complex. So traditionally you've had a lot of kids who only go to school to eat or to get access to certain things. If they are in any way truant, they can cut off their parents' benefits. And so these kids are gonna be forced to go to school, but they're also gonna be forced to be in situations and circumstances that may not be the healthiest for them. I can foresee teachers uh, getting infection because when I was a middle school teacher, I had sometimes upwards to 150 kids. And if one person got sick or had a cold, like the opportunities for me to get sick or have a cold just increase multifold. So there's a lot all the way around. At the same time, educational systems account for, they are some of the largest employers, not just for teachers, but administrators, secretaries, janitorial staff, supply chains, bus drivers, cafeteria workers. The amount of spending that's, that, that schools have with um, food companies, with textbook companies, um, office suppliers, these things, these decisions are very much tied to economics. I don't even think the kids learning and growth is uh, a part of it. I have been concerned about the littles, people who are under the age of 12 and 13 who are still getting their primary skills, whether it's math, reading, etc. How much are they really learning? How much learning have they already missed out on as a result from having online school and presumably with air quotes, having their parents teach them, parents are not necessarily equipped to be teachers. I'm hoping through all of this that people are beginning to value the work of educators and teachers and just how hard it is to teach math and how hard it is to teach reading and history and science and to make it fun and to make it exciting and to make sure that your children are in fact absorbing the knowledge through assessment. I'm hoping that this will be an opportunity for us to reimagine education and what it looks like. And although I am one of the hugest proponents for digital technology and education, I'm hoping that we do not think that these programs can replace the actual human connection of teachers because education is inherently cultural and it's not just completely, and it cannot be completely digital. There has to be a human touch. We have to remember multicultural education during this time because our kids are not just absorbing um, everything that uh, uh, is put in front of them. They're absorbing Black Lives Matter. They're absorbing 
George Floyd. And this is not unique just to African-American kids. These are kids plural across the board. They are seeing what is going on in the world. They are understanding the fragility of our systems. They are seeing in their own homes what all of this means, the fragility of the healthcare system. Um, they may have parents who are nurses, doctors, etc. parents who have been laid off. So they have their own forms of stress. They've been locked up in the house. They've been away from their friends. And so the culture that we're creating, this new culture that is coming about, there's a lot of good, but we have to consider the mental health of our babies. And what is that going to look like when they are now in a classroom where a potential classmate could be sick? They're being forced to wear masks to social distance. What is education going to look like for them? So my prayers are out here both for the babies and for the teachers and the staff. In the end, at the end of the day, do what works best for your family. I'm just genuinely concerned that poor folks, folks of color are going to be put in some compromising positions as to how to navigate education as if it weren't already hard, but how to navigate education, get the best quality education for their child and stay healthy. So I'm going to watch that and, and report accordingly. Also, um, I want to talk a little bit about Queen and Slim. I finally saw the movie so many thoughts um so i in this quarantine have been absorbing a lot of content and i had wanted to see queen and slim for a while i saw people dragging lena away I saw them basically saying that, you know, she will find a way to trash black women, that it is possible to be a a female misogynist. Um, I saw that. For the record, I don't know a lot about Lena Waithe other than she did The Shy. I watched her movie Stepsisters and um, I remember the episode she did for Aziz Ansari's show on Netflix. And I can't say that I am largely impressed, but I support black women. So I've never spoken negatively about Lena Waithe, and I and I won't start today. Um, I want the best for that sister, but I cannot support harming other black women. So to that end, I watched Queen and Slim because I just, I love Daniel Kaluuya. Jodie Turner-Smith is fine, fine. Um, and I just wanted to see it. I wanted to know what's, what's going on out here. So I watched it. First five to 10 minutes, very hard to get through. Jodie Turner-Smith's attitude, or her character's attitude, Queen, was um, just unbearable to me. It embodied every stereotype of the angry black woman, the I'm too good for you black woman. Like, the movie starts off with them on a date at like a diner. She barely, she has a salad which she barely touches. Um, she's acting like, uh, the service, there's a black woman who is serving them and she's just like, oh, this person is, you know, incompetent, not good at their job. And, um, Ernest, I believe is his name, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character is like, well, you know, give her a break. She's a single mom, blah, blah, just very corny in the beginning, but I'm willing to overlook it, right? Like sometimes you have to suspend your belief. They're riding along in a car. We know the plot. Some things go down. Uh, they kill an officer and now they're on the run. It was hard to suspend my belief 
on so many things. Essentially, the movie tried to insinuate that the reason why the cop got killed is because Queen was out there running her mouth, having an attitude, being an angry black woman, despite her being a highly educated uh, attorney and high, having a lot of education doesn't mean that a person still can't be whatever, but it just, it was incongruent for me. It was completely incongruent. Um, her character was all over the place. She just seemed to be a repository for a million stereotypes and tweets in human form. So then they go on the run, which to me makes no sense, especially if she's an attorney, especially if she's an attorney. Um, a good attorney would know how to frame it, get out of it. And she's a criminal attorney because she talks about how her client, she couldn't get them off for murder. And they kind of go through a series of events that culminate in them, I guess, out of necessity, falling in love, having sex bareback in the middle of a field. And I think the part that upset me the absolute most, aside from Jodie Turner character Jodie Turner Smith's character's attitude because she was just oh my god like no human could walk around with that much anger and venom she embodied every negative stereotype about black women just whatever you could think of that's where she was coming from um I think the part that pissed me off the most because I forced myself to push through this movie I had to stop it a couple times take a break what pissed me off the most was the ending where they just shot Jodie Turner Smith's character, Queen. They just shot Queen. She didn't move. She didn't lunge. They just shot her like a dog out in the street. And to me, the writers of it, um, well, conversely, not only did they shoot Queen, Slim is given the opportunity to be this noble black man by picking up her body and running towards the cops. And of course, they die in, in a, a blaze of bullets. There was so many attempts to make it seem as if Slim representing black male archetype of like easygoing, spiritual, all around good guy, just trying to do the right thing, whose life is ultimately ruined by this mouthy, smart ass black woman who doesn't have the sense that God gave her and through his love and patience she somehow is better but even in the end this black woman who did absolutely nothing and did not deserve uh, to be shot down in the street like that they just shot her only to be set up as a prop to show the goodness of Slim that was my interpretation and I take great umbrage with that especially in this climate of Black Lives Matter a movement that was started by three black women um, that has largely been used to um, uh, bring attention to the death of overwhelmingly black men, although black men, women, and children, and especially disabled folks and non-English speakers have been brutalized by this system of police brutality. Um, not in a world where black women are working every single day to keep the black community and black families alive and vibrant. Can a movie like Queen and Slim even exist? Like, to me, it was a, I have two critiques for Queen and Slim. One is that it is an absolute orgy. It is an optical orgy of sights and sounds and beauty of blackness. Like, um, Melina Masukas, who also works on Insecure and has done formation for Beyonce. Cinematically, the movie was 
gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous, filled with melanin and light and color and beauty. And to see the the uh, the, the melanated love between, or the melanated um, relationship between Daniel Kalua and Jodie Turner Smith, it is rare we get two brown skin, dark brown skin, black people as love interests. I want to see more of that shit. Like that shit upsets me to no end. We are not really celebrating black love. We're celebrating black love under the guises of white supremacy when we don't allow ourselves to be free. And so to see Jodie Turner-Smith, who is bad, bad, fine, fine, um, and Daniel Kalua, who has an appeal to him, to see the possibilities of a black man and a black woman in this hetero relationship, loving on each other, caring for each other, protecting each other, you know, melanin gleaming bouncing off each other very loving having a sex scene that is very loving and tender that to me would have just been everything my dreams could have ever hoped for but that's not what happened and so to me it was a complete waste of acting talent it was a complete waste of cinematic beauty um i found out that kirby jean ramon did the the um costume worked on some of the wardrobe which made sense because it was very it's very beautiful even though it was only a couple wardrobe changes it was very beautiful and to me it was just all this black talent wasted on a storyline that i would later find out actually james frey wrote so for those who are not familiar with james frey james frey is a whole fraud he was someone who had a national bestseller and about basically being a drug addict come to find out it wasn't his story he stole the story um and that pretty much you would think it would have burned his career but because he's a white man in hollywood uh, he just was quiet for a little bit and then came back. And so I recently saw an interview with Lena Waithe and Kirby Jean Ramon, the uh, designer be behind Pierre Moss. And in their conversation, she talked about how she was at a party and James Frey came up to her and said, hey, I have an idea for a script. It's about this black man and this black woman who go on a date, but it goes horribly wrong. They shoot a cop and they go on the run. He said, but as a white man, I can't write that script. I would love for you to write it. And Lena Waithe goes home, thinks about it and is like, of course I would write that script, right? And even just understanding the impetus and the origin of the script explained so much to me because it was bullshit. It looked like something that was birthed from the white imagination of what they think black people would do or are like or what black life is like and suddenly the whole world just shifted now as i stated earlier i've watched some of lena waite's other projects i am not a fan um especially like the movie step sisters um about a black girl who teaches these white girls how to step i think there's a lot of white apologist uh, messages in there but what I have seen is that there's there's a hatred of black women. And you don't have to be a man to participate in massage noir. You do not have to be a man to participate in patriarchy. Um, you know, we never really talk about the patriarchy and misogyny that sometimes exists in stud culture and lesbian culture. Um, that you can be a misogynist, that you can be uh, a sexist and be in female form, right? Like all these things are true. Just like you can be anti-black and be a black man. Shout out to Kanye. Um, I'll save him for another episode. So when I watched Queen and Slim, that's exactly what I saw. And to know that ultimately it was a white dude who wrote the script and handed it off to Lena Waithe shows you how the Confederacy can continue on, right? In blackface, like. 
I'm happy that a lot of black people got paid and got jobs, but y'all, there has to come a point where we just want better. It can't just be, well, at least they got a check. Like, we have to be responsible for our art. With that being said, that does not mean that there cannot be numerous forms of black art out there. But I have yet to meet one black person that was like, man, Queen and Slim, that was my joint. Like, I loved that movie. The movie was so bad that afterwards I went back and tried to find some of the Twitter critiques that I saw. I tried to look up some of the movie reviews. And the white movie reviews, you could tell they were like, I don't want to say anything bad because it's a black movie. But really, that shit was fucked up. <laughs> like, and worst part, I think I, I watched the movie on Amazon. So I went and tried to read the, the comments there. And all the white people who had recently downloaded it in light of Black Lives Matter were like, yeah, it was awful, it was unrealistic. Not all cops are bad. So they had, even though it was very evident that the movie was awful universally, they disliked it for the wrong reasons, right? They were just mad at the way that white people, specifically white cops, were being portrayed. So it's like, gotta throw that that bunch out. And then the few meager black folks who had left, or the few meager comments left by black folks were similar to my feelings like first of all what the fuck like you had money and to make movies about to make a movie about black people and it's hella dysfunctional you know it's it's disheartening and like I said Melina Matsukas her cinematography was utterly fantastic the lighting the melanin Jodie Turner Smith um I'd never really seen her as an actress I know she's a model and of course, Daniel Kaluuya and his talents. It was just a waste of black excellence, right? Of black beauty. And even that line in the movie, Daniel Kaluuya, Lena Waithe would say that that was the actual line that Daniel Kaluuya, they had lunch. And he said that black excellence came comes from the need for black people to uh, always present their best. So there was a similar line like that in the movie. But the whole thing was just a patchwork of why black people need to do better of why no matter what black men do there should never be any consequences there's this one particular character played by um the amazing bokeem woodbine and he did really well in this movie like he also was redeeming saving grace and in the movie he is uh queen's uncle but he's also a i think a pimp i think and uh they kind of talk there's there's a, a hint that he or you know in the movie that he was a former um uh, mil he was in the military he went to Iraq and didn't come back right and somehow they try and make the leap that because he was in the military it messed him up and now he's a pimp I don't know they could have made him an addict they could have made him an alcoholic they could have made him violent and he was actually violent in the movie but it wasn't violent because of Iraq he was violent because he was a pimp right like there's a lot of people who come back with PTSD and they don't become pimps Overwhelmingly, a lot of times folks become, unfortunately, addicts or have other erratic behavior that kind of disenfranchises them from society because we don't take care of our uh, our uh, military force. Not the way we should. So again, there was just this forgiveness for bad black male behavior that specifically was harming black women. I was happy to see one of the characters, one of the women was a trans woman but to me that also fed into the narrative that trans women are overwhelmingly uh forced to be sex work not that the narrative they are overwhelmingly forced to be sex workers but it's like you have an opportunity to use a trans character to put a trans character in a movie and they're a prostitute like 
but there was a line and I have to remember this actress's name because she was in Pose and I loved her in Pose and she said you know out there he's nothing but in here he's a king and it's almost like we want to buy into this narrative that black men have to be kings at the expense of black women and then of course you have this counter narrative that was displayed in the queen and slim relationship which is that black women are always angry but through patient and good black men like slim they can somehow be redeemed and never make the connection that the reason why queen is angry is because her uncle is a pimp who killed her mother like how is there redemption for the uncle who's a pimp and violent but there is no real redemption for queen now at the end they tried to make some some thinly veiled attempts to kind of say oh you know because of slim's love he would kiss her scars and man that's some bullshit i know a lot of black women and i I don't even have to talk about other black women i'm talking about my own life and my own scars and nary do i sit up at night and think man i just wish i had a good black man to kiss my scars no you do the work you go to therapy you cry you bleed you find ways to heal i go before god And in the process of that healing, you become a better human. It helps when there's other people to come along and God does use people to help. But it's not like I'm going to be healed through the redemption of this particular person. Because of the redemption that I in the work, the self work that I do, I attract amazing people in my life who now we can be great together. And so, and that does not, love is redemptive. Love has redeeming power. But the way that the storyline was set up, it was just bogus and false and did not give black women the grace that they deserve because it starts off not even making black women human. It made black women inhumane and completely unbearable. And that for me, a movie that was both directed and written by black women and produced by black women, that for me is just unacceptable um so yeah queen and slim oh my god like yeah no just no and it is such a waste y'all i would say watch the movie for nothing else just to see the beauty of the cinematography and the talents of melina masukas but the script and also to watch it because of the beautiful acting by daniel kalua and jody turner smith but the script oh my god oh my god like that shit is toxic waste like you should not be able to touch it it should not have been allowed for human consumption that's some bullshit so anyway i'ma hit y'all back soon with another episode talking about kunye's ass because i think it needs to be talked about um otherwise stay safe be blessed and be whole beloveds